What's up, y'all? I'm Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is The Way We Ball. All right, everyone. We have advanced. SKC is coming to Houston. We're hosting another playoff game. We've said it a million times. Who in the world would have thought we'd be having this conversation back in March? But here we are after taking Real Salt Lake to three games and finishing game two, game three via penalties. We have advanced and we are playing SKC. Brandon, what do you have to say? Uh, Happy we went through. I think like a lot of people watching, it it felt frustrating because I don't think we played our best soccer, but at the same time to not play great in three games, but yet be moving on in a different fashion. Now it's one-off. I think this kind of suits us, especially now it's grinded out kind of soccer and it's kind of the team we have. So I'm I'm feeling pretty positive going forward. There was a chance that Real Salt Lake advances to the second round without beating us a single game. <laughs> I'm, I'm torn about that format just because we almost lost without technically losing. Uh, but to your point, this is more our game. I would take us against anybody if it's a one-off series with the way we've been playing. So I'm excited to get out of that, out of that three-game format and just going straight to the knockoff, uh, knockoff stages. I think this suits us uh, better, more than anybody else that's left in the playoffs. You know, a lot of people are kind of also hating the time that it takes to get to this next round because we have that international break in the middle. I'm trying to see this as a blessing in disguise. I With the, how we kind of played against RSL, I know we can give a lot of credit to the way they, uh, Masteroni set up their system and how they were going to disrupt everything that we did. But this break, I think, kind of hits us like the reset button for everybody and allows us to come back to kind of just shake it off. And now the expectations, instead of them swelling and them trying to like play too hard, I think it allows them to kind of accept the moment now and come in with that different mindset. Yeah, and, you know, we our team is, we have a team full of champions, as we've said before. So it's a bunch of guys that have been here before, as opposed to uh, SKC. I think it benefit, benefits us more. I don't see somebody like Escobar, Ereta, uh, who, am I, who else am I forgetting, um, Sviachenko, that this layoff would really affect them too much. I think they would hit the ground running. Um, come November 25th or 26th, whenever whenever we take on SKC. Uh, but before we even dwell on that, let's talk about that RSL game. Um, so we gave Mastroni his flowers last week's podcast. Um, and they pretty much came the way we thought they were. They were going to come very aggressive, um, not the sexiest game, to say the least. Um, and it was a grind. It was a grind. They took us all the way to 90 minutes. Um, there was a few decisions I didn't agree with, um, more, mostly Coco. After we came up with that 1-0 lead, I would have taken him out much sooner. I would have put in Caicedo back there and just sat back. Um, but yeah, uh, what were your thoughts on that Real Salt Lake game? So, especially in that third game, like, I wanted to be frustrated. I'm kind of glad that we didn't do a spaces after the game because I wanted to be frustrated just because I thought we were going to be how we looked against Portland and how we were kind of rolling at that momentum. I thought that team was going to be kind of headed to the playoffs, especially the way we played in the U S open cup. But Masteroni, as we kind of mentioned, mucked everything up a little bit. And then I kind of thought about how everything we played Coco being really frustrating, especially this third game. I know we can hate on a lot of it. I mean, he and bossy created 26 turnovers is what Glenn 
mentioned on the broadcast, which is absurd. And then, like you mentioned, why didn't we bring in Casado? I thought about Ben and I started to agree with you on the fact that it's like, how is he not making subs when Coco's playing this bad and Casado has been fine. And then I get a little bit angry with that. And then I look at Mastroni and the moves that he was making and how they were scoring. And I was kind of seeing a lot through what you've been making kind of points as we've been talking in like our group chats and stuff. But then the fact that we've had a couple of days to digest this, I thought to myself like, dude, we still won and now we're moving on. Like, that has to say something to at least what Ben has done because we haven't played our best. People have the stars haven't really shown bright, but yet we still won in three games. So that has to account for something going forward. And I think that like gives me more positivity the more I've thought about it. You hit on Coco and we've talked about him going to Europe after this season. Is there <laughs> have do you remember a player depreciating their value as much <laughs> as Coco has these playoffs? Because he's not worth that nine ten million that we were talking about based off this first round of the playoffs that we've seen. I mean, we talked a little bit. I, I mentioned I didn't think he was going to go for more than I thought he would be in like the four to six range. And I know a lot of people were like way too low, way too low. And this was kind of my knock on him. The fact that his packs accuracy isn't so great. And then his shot taking isn't on point. When he does make goals, they are sweet. But for a lot of the times you saw like what you saw in the third game skyrocketing a ton of takes but he didn't play absolutely awful like he set the tone for pks when he came in and blasted that one like that was a huge bump for everybody so as much as i want to knock him he made both of his pks at rsl and also at home so we can't hate too much we do have to appreciate some of this because pks it it came down to that so speaking on pks what are your thoughts with uh with bossy I was terrified when he when he stepped up to take his PK. Um, and, you know, I thought it was fitting that we talked to a mental strength coach about this kind of stuff <laughs> because, um, you know, you missed that first one. It's going to affect you for a while. Let's say we go, we take PKs against Kansas City on November 26th. Are you using Bossy as that leadoff man again? I think yes, because when he scored that, he looked a little bit more relieved than anything. Like it, it, it didn't have that same showmanship. Instead, it was just like, thank God. And I don't blame him because it was close to, but now that you have that kind of just big heavy weight off your back, I think he, he'll revert back to how he's been. So I, I don't want to discredit him. He's gotten us this far. We got to keep riding this wave, you know? Yeah. It's funny you said that. I felt like his celebration was more of a relief as opposed to, like you said, a celebration. Um, I'm just surprised we've gone six minutes into today's episode and we have not talked about Thor Rose. <laughs> That's one thing I was going to bring up later, like talking about that. Uh, when he came on with that look, that was incredible. I mean, first the baggy shorts, then the corn rose, the thorn rose. I'm here for it, man. He, he's got swag. We need that kind of thing. And if you look at big championship teams, they always have that guy that has that kind of swag to him. And ours is Thor. We need to embrace that. I don't know if you remembered that Rockets team. Uh, it was the year after T-Mac got hurt. They signed our test. And we just had this like attitude with us because, you know, our test was just so unpredictable. And I feel like Thor is our, our test from that Rockets team. Like, I don't know. I want to take credit, though, for saying that he looked like he came from an N1 mixtape because he just took it to a whole <laughs> different level. Um, I was all for it. I loved the look. Um, and, man, I... I was not worried when he went up to take his PK. I knew that was going in. 
No, he's the most confident. You could bring him to like the Iceland national team and have them in a World Cup qualifier in a PK situation. I trust that guy to drill it. Like he just has that absolute thorn rose about him, man. I mean, if you think about it in terms of history, right? Jordan needed Rodman to win the championships as he got older. Ache Ache's older. He needs him Rodman. He's got thorn rose, baby. I'm glad to see him come in. His first touch was a header on goal. Could have been stronger. I mean, if, but at the same time, he hasn't played in a long time. And it was nice to see him over Aliu, like we mentioned. I think he's earned that. And I don't know. Do you think he's the guy going forward? Are we going to play him over Aliu going now? I mean, I still would. He, uh, he had that one header. Uh, I mean, it went straight to goalie, but he was making chances. And I felt much more confident having him over Aleu, to be honest with you. And that was one thing that I did want to credit Ben for. Ben did make changes um, in the way he made substitutions. I still felt it was a little too late. I would have gone a little bit sooner. Um, but to to his credit, he he went in with Thor as opposed uh, with Aleu that he had been doing in games past. So uh, I do like it. To me, it's a very optimistic outlook that he is willing to make changes um, to, to, I guess, his theory of, of substitution. So I did like to see that. Um, and going forward, I would stick with Thor. I mean, every game is different. Every game is going to call for something else. But if we find ourselves in a in any kind of draw or down a point, I would go with with Thor 10 times out of 10. Are you so confident riding with Mikael? I felt like he made some kind of big mistakes in this game. I mean, just in terms of positioning. For the most part, I, I love him, but I don't know. Do we bring in Teenage? For me, the back line is that one group where I it's it's one person to me. So, you know, midfielders, they have their identity. Forwards, they can kind of play their own way and they each have their identity. But a back line, that is all just one cohesive unit. And I think that Sviachenko and Mikhail have just have played so long together. I wouldn't risk changing anything right now. He he had he had a few mistakes, but I mean the guy has been playing lights out. I've had no complaints prior to, to last Saturday. Um, I I would not make any kind of changes to that back line right now, at least. The only thing I will bring up is if you look at how he's played sometimes in big key moments, especially elimination games, I, I hate to do it. I mean, it was a long time ago, but Leaks Cup, he had that back pass that was an own goal. And then... Now he's been kind of out of position. Now that it's a one-off, we can't afford these kind of mistakes. And Teenage does more in the air. Now, I say all this to kind of just more drive debate. I still, I, I agree. I understand playing Mikael going forward. But if I'm Ben, that might be a decision that I, I would push right now. I think we need something. And he at least gives us that something. Well, to counter that, we've discussed in the past that Teenage can be a liability as well because he gets a little too confident. True. And then he goes up a little further than he should, or he wants to be a little more on the offensive side when I think in the playoffs, especially you need a true anchor back there. And I have more have confidence. One. I'm saying that as a whole line though. Oh, okay. And I think Mikael does a better job of understanding his assignment where teenage can get a little too carried away. Um, so for that reason, specifically, I, I, I would stick with Mikael. But the way the offensive's played in three games, you don't think that we need that guy that can just do that little bit of something? I mean, we have to push the tempo a bit. I trust our tour to drop back. 
I, I, the way Coco's played, he hasn't really been that guy. This could stir something more up and allow Bossy to cook. I, I just, I think the way Ache Ache can cover ground and especially playing against a sporting KC where they're not great on the road. That is one thing. They've been home heavy, but they're still a really hot team. I mean, they've been rolling and I, I think this is something that we have to disrupt them. Polito absolutely owns us. He, I think he has uh, six career goals against us, which is the most against any team. So like for, for his career. So that's, that is a guy having, that I, we have to worry about. I've been having nightmares about Polito. So not and looking forward Melia, to playing him. Yeah. And Melia, yeah. their goalie has never lost in PK. So like, we can't trust that either. So <laughs> there's yeah, just a lot I, in this matchup. I, I mean, I agree with you on all those parts, but, um, uh, rather than sacrificing that Mikael for teenage, I would prefer to put in Seba over Coco if we want to spark up the offense a little bit. I'd make changes there rather than than messing with that backline at all. Again, I just want a cohesive backline, and I don't know how well Sviachenko and teenage work together or how comfortable one feels with the other. Um, I would much rather change things up top, put Thor in, have him start, have Seba start. Uh, for Coco. Coco, I I don't want to say I'm done with Coco, but he really disappointed me in this series. We've talked about this before. There's a few players in our squad that everyone looks up to. I assumed Coco was one of those guys. He did nothing for me that makes me feel like he's somebody that we have to bring back next year. If we sell him for on the low, if we get downplayed for whatever he's worth, I'm okay with it. I am just done with the Coco train after this playoff run. I I understand that. I mean, I've been pointing it out for a while, and I, I think the hot thing is to definitely jump on him, and I'm not going to deny it, but you're allowed to have a bad stretch. I think with the Dynamo, he's been having a bad stretch. I think it's been quietly for a lot longer than people have realized, and you're right to completely mention that he gets to hide in Panama. But if he comes back, he's still a really good MLS player, and I'm okay with that. We need good MLS players. Plus, I would still like to add to our midfield. I think more than anything, this series proves we're still a guy away, whether that's on the wing, striker. But to me, it's midfield. Caicedo's really good, but you still need that attacking piece. I'm glad you said that because there was a guy who played for Real Salt Lake who's from Texas who will be available this (laughs) offseason. And uh, fits the description of what you think we need. So I'm here uh, for that. I mean, dude, Diego Luna did absolutely own us in this series, and you and I have been singing his praises. And come home, I'm I'm totally for him. I think he's the perfect type of player for us as well. I get people were throwing water bottles at him, and we're very upset. But put him in an orange and let him do what he's been doing for RSL, and we'll be throwing flowers instead of water bottles. <laughs> Maybe some clippers. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, I think that's even better for more Texas fan. Like that guy who just works. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of here for it. I mean, the idea. Oh, I don't know. The idea of the idea of having him. Uh, the idea of having just him and Thor, and <laughs> and uh, I'm having a brain fart. But our goalkeeper, we'd have the best hair Steve in all Clark. of MLS. Yeah. Steve Clark, sorry, Steve Clark, and even Coco and Franco. Best hair in all of MLS. Um, For sure. And to, to clear, uh, our producer made a, a point. So I, I don't know if he's from Texas or not, but he started his career with El Paso in the USL. Um, so 
he's a Texan in my book. <laughs> I mean, once you go to college here, then at any of the colleges, you, you adopt Texas hood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving on, you mentioned Alan Pulido. Thank goodness we are done with Real Salt Lake. Uh, they put up a hard fight and I feel like they're going to be a pain in the butt for the, for coming future. Um, but we move on. So Kansas city, what can you tell us about them? Uh, moving on to this next round. Uh, it's kind of scary to face them. And what I mean by that is they've had good success against us. Now, like overall career, it's pretty, I mean, I think we faced them like 44 times, which is like the most matchup ever in MLS. So this really is a real rivalry without, I think people realizing it. I, I think, I know the sexy pick is always to pit us against Texas teams, but in terms of history, this is a big matchup and it's gone back and forth. I mean, not only are we like almost even in wins, but also goals, goals scored against each other. Like both have like close to 56. It's incredible how even our histories have been as well. But they do have Polito, like I mentioned, six goals, one assist in seven games in regular season against us. So he definitely has our number. Uh, the other one too is on the opposite side, looking at Baird. Baird has pretty high success against Sporting KC. He's got uh, four goals in 11 games against him. So that's awesome. Ache Ache also had two assists in the uh, 2-2 draw back in July. So he plays well against them. So the counter to, again, Polito dominating us, we at least have our goal scorer and our, our big point guard to lead us in the charge. So this is a scary matchup, but at the same time, the fact that it's on the road for them changes everything. They've only have three wins on the road. So wasn't one of those wins at the show. Yeah, but uh <laughs> Well, no, they they uh, we beat them one nothing uh, May tenth. That was in a league's cup. Thor scored like an early match, and then I think it was away there when we got the red card from Jasper, and he got sent off. Or that that could have been the same match. I'm, I might be blending the two. There's been so much going on that uh, that I, I can't call off the top of my head. But they suck it on the road at least. I can tell you that much. Only ten goals scored and allowed twenty three. So it's promising so the for that angle. Thing the thing that. W- not that it worries me, but um, from my past career, I do have a little inside scoop. And I know Polito's family lives in Houston. Some of his close oh. family members are so he's in gonna Houston. he's going to sell some tickets. He's going to sell some tickets. And I just feel like for him, it's kind of like a home game. It's like a coming home game. Um, the last the last time I saw them play Kansas City, he had his family in one of the suites. And you could just – he was just happy to be there. He was excited to be there. So – um, you know, that's great kumbaya, whatever. But, um, uh, for the dynamo, it kind of sucks because I feel like he's just going to come in, um, just rejuvenated and wanting to do something in front of his, in front of his family and home crowd, so to speak. Dude, they don't need like more stuff to kind of come into our stadium because, uh, so I did some like more diving into the numbers in terms of looking a little bit of how drastic this will swing. So here's what I mean by that. Sporting KC, their second and first 15-minute goals. Uh, goals in the first 30 minutes and first half goals. So 62% of their goals in the first half were scored in the first half. 24 of their 39 total. So shows they load up everything in the first half. Now to counter that, <laughs> we are <laughs> when we are scoring first, we're 11-0. But when we allow the first goal, we're 1-10. When we're leading at half, we're 8-0. When we're trailing at half, 
we're 0 and 5. So this is a moment where if we're up early, we get the W, but there we're playing against a team that is dominating the first half. So this shows how and it's a one-off. It shows how this is a scary matchup. <laughs> My god. So basically we just want to score before halftime. Just have to bury Polito, who's been owning that's us it. since like 2020. So that's the only thing that we have to really worry about. But yeah, uh, it's, that shows everything of like how important to get an early goal against them and then defend like hell. But that's been our knock lately. We have not been closing out. Yeah, I have noticed um, from the feedback we've gotten on like social media and stuff, there's a lot of newer Dynamo fans. Um, I don't know if that's the Messi effect, um, just soccer growing in this country. Um, but for those newer fans, SKC is a pretty big rival to the Houston yeah. Dynamo. We have a huge history with them, um, playoff history, and and it's it goes back a long ways. Maybe that's a video we do during the offseason um, talking about that sure. unique uh, rivalry that we have with SKC. But um, how do you feel? Do you think playing on a Sunday, are you pretty confident that we can get a sellout for this match? We haven't. The problem with the sellout, is the East End Club. I know we keep hating on that, but that's the truth of why it's not going to be sold out. Everywhere else in that stadium looked pretty good. The supportive section was absolutely rocking. And when I even watched the recap again on Apple TV to like kind of hit key points again from just after being lost in the moment, then kind of reverting the memory, you could still hear the hear like the cheering and like the songs. It it was so good. But we're not going to sell out because those premium tickets are not going to be bought by local Houston people right now. That's the side that's just not going to sell. So I know it's easy to watch the game and hate on us, but legitimately throughout that stadium, it was a great playoff vibe. I also think they need to do something with those with those corner seats. Um, Apple had a shot where they showed yeah. the corner and it just looked dead. Um, I mean, honestly, they could have just picked a better spot and it would have looked much <laughs> better, but... I don't know if, if that's like a ticketing thing where they come up with some kind of promotion for those corner seats. Uh, the thing with Shell is that uh, if you sit on any end of Shell, north, south, east, west, you're getting a great seat. Yeah. Um, so they need to figure something out out there. I just I think what also hurts us is that typical Houston fashion, we just show up late. So when the game starts, <laughs> you're just like, oh, man, first impressions, everything. People are like, oh, it's a terrible crowd. But then as the game goes on, you see it getting full. Um, but man, I, I, I think we're also blessed with a really good supporter group. I feel, I honestly, non-biased, I feel like our supporter group stands out more than anyone else in the league. Um, I remember listening to RSL. You could easily miss them. Um, Vancouver earlier this year, just our supporter group really does stand out. And so, um, we are really lucky to have some passionate fans there on the, on the end. Dude, so two things. The the slow crowd arrival, part of that is when you're getting into the stadium, it does take a moment to get through the metal detectors and get your tickets scanned. There's nothing they can really do by that. Like We have a lot of entrances, but it is a little bit slow to get into it. And then on top of that, we have great concessions. I think I, I would honestly argue that our concessions are the best of all of our pro teams. So a lot of people are genuinely getting something before they head to their seat. It would be great if everybody got there earlier and grabbed their food and then went. But I know a lot of the theory is like, well, it's soccer. It's going to take a while for a goal to develop. So after about 10 minutes, that is why you see our stadium suddenly like pack out is I genuinely believe people are buying food or just taking a little bit to get in. 
because a lot of the time Shay and I, like when we get in, we go straight to our seats. So we make it on time. But if we were to stop to get something to eat, we would probably be delayed. And that's a good sign, man. I mean, like I, I give that credit to a, what we do inside the park. I do love that uh, NRG has that system where you can just like walk in, tap your card, pick whatever you want, walk out. Yeah. Um, I feel like the show could really benefit from something like that, especially with, with soccer. Soccer and beer are just, they go hand in hand. <laughs> um, all right, Brandon. So before we move on to the next segment, let me get your uh, playoff prediction for round two against SKC. So that was actually a, a really popular thing that we tweeted out was people giving us their four picks. And the one thing I found funny, nobody uh, had a uh, sporting KC moving on. So I appreciate that. Of course, I'm not going to be the one that hates. I do genuinely think we're going to win and move on and uh, we'll move on to the road. Uh, so we'll move on. Whoever we face next, we'll be on the road because that's going to be against either Seattle or LAFC. Um, I will say that's going to be a toss up there too. Uh, Seattle's got a much better home record than they do away. They have seven wins at home. Uh, LAFC is pretty decent on the road, four, six, and seven. They have uh, Boanga's, uh, Boanga's been out of his mind. I'm going to pick LAFC in the upset for that. I think that they go into Seattle and take that one down. And I just, I don't know. I'm going off it. They won the championship last year. Why not keep rolling with them? Uh, Orlando and Columbus. Orlando is tremendous at home, uh, nine, three, and five, where Columbus is just four and eight on the road. I love Mukhtar, but he, or sorry, he plays for Nashville. Uh, I love Columbus's attacking up there. They were number one in goals, but I think Orlando moves on. Sensi and Philly. Uh, Sensi is dominant at home, 13 wins, two losses at home, where Philly has a five, eight, and four record on the road. The money, if I'm betting it, I'm probably taking Philly. But if I'm picking a winner, I'm going to go Sensi. So I think Orlando and Sensi move on. What about you? And, you uh, on flip as side? far as – well, before I go on to that, what, uh, what's your score prediction for us in SKC? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1. I think that it's still just like a grind-out win. But I think we get one early. They counter and tie. We go tied at half. We get one second half. So I'm going to go one nothing. I think Ben has PTSD from the RSL match, and I think we score early, and I think he just puts in Caicedo. He just sits back, and it's going to be a boring remaining 60 minutes or whatever the remaining time is. But I think we're going to score within the first quarter of the game. Um, as far well, as the rest to. of them, so, yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> uh, I think as far as the rest of the games go, I have Seattle beating L.A., um, LA does scare me. Um, but I, I just, I feel like Seattle, you can never count them out in the playoffs. Um, so and I'm going to go with turf. Seattle. Turf has something to do with turf. this. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Seattle. So I think it's going to be us, Seattle in the next round on the other side of things, Orlando besides us is the hottest team in the MLS. So I have them reaching the final. So I have them advancing this round and I just don't see the Alejandro Bedoya farewell tour ending this soon. I think Philly has all the emotion behind them. I think they advance against Cincy. Cincy did struggle at home on the, uh, on the way down, but they, uh, they took care of business against Red Bulls. The only thing I think they have a leg up on is PKs. They've already gone through that format. Plus they've got some pretty strong takers. 
that's going to be, I think that's like a, the biggest toss up round, to be honest with you, because Philly is also good on the road and they have started to come on as late. It's an exciting time. And I've said this before, this has been some of the most exciting MLS playoffs I can remember. I don't know if it's the actual games that are exciting or that Apple just does a great job with the game presentation and it's just so easily accessible. Um, but I feel like all these games have been must-see TV uh, yeah. this postseason. They've been great. It is so, pretty good. Hold on. Before you move on, terms, because I know you have a futures bet for Dynamo to win it all, right? Daddy's going to be $3,000 richer. Where do you think the money has us ranked in terms of the remaining eight teams, one through eight, what do you think we're ranked in that, in terms of where the money's going for us to win it all? I don't see the the bookies putting us above Orlando or LA. So I would say third. We are second to last <laughs> at plus 920. <laughs> Who do you think is dead last? SKC. Yep, exactly. At plus yeah. 1275. So the two in terms of money has us at the bottom. They have Cincy at top at plus 250. Then it's LAFC, Columbus, Orlando, Seattle, Philly, Houston, and then KC. Philly at plus 900. Sneaky futures bet if you'd want them to win it all. And then Columbus and Orlando plus 690 each. So they heavy favorites on Cincy at plus 250 and LAFC at plus 285. So Cincy is the top, the the biggest, excuse me, the biggest favorite? Yeah, by far. So the fact that like Houston at plus 920, that could be a steal as well. Like you can make some good money on some of these future bets here. You've heard it here first, folks. The bookies <laughs> don't watch MLS, don't know what the hell they're talking about. So take advantage. They say the house gets richer. Well, I don't buy that. We are robbing the bank <laughs> this off season. Brandon, I wanted to share some exciting news. So we've made it official over the week. We have partnered with Set Piece Club. It is a local clothing brand outside of the, or I'm sorry, based in the Houston area. Um, they have some cool, really cool um, projects coming out, some really cool threads. We got a sneak peek of those. Um, they got some notoriety over uh, this last game because Jane Campbell was rocking their latest drop, the Hell in the Shell t-shirt. Um, so with our new partners, we've been granted access to do some giveaways, and we had our first giveaway. And purposely, we made it very simple. All you had to do was retweet. So if you missed out, that's on you. You bozo. Um, But we have a winner. So without further ado, the winner of the first set piece club giveaway is Bernardo at I Ben Salty. Bernardo, you don't have any more reasons to be salty because you just got a free T-shirt. Check out your DMs as we will send you a message. Just give us your shirt size. And if you want to either pick it up at the next game against SKC or if you'd like it uh, mailed to your address. But congratulations, Bernardo. Enjoy your Hell in the Shell t-shirt. Everyone, please follow Set Set Piece Club on Instagram, Twitter. They have some really cool... I wonder if I can can tease. I'm going to tease what they have coming out next. And if they give me the okay i'll leave it on if they don't give me the okay i'll edit this out the make sure you spell peace too peace p-e-a-c p-e-a-c-e excuse me yeah because otherwise they think soccer likes that piece set peace uh 
so they have some shorts coming out and these things look incredible. Some workout shorts, gym shorts, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they look great. So I'm going to check with them. And if they give me their blessings, we'll keep this part on. If not, I'll edit it out, but, uh, be on the lookout. They have these really cool shorts coming out along with some other cool, um, Houston Dynamo inspired shirts and really excited to see what they come out with. So shouts out to set piece club, our first official partners for the way we ball podcast. What's up, y'all? We just wanted to take a quick break to talk about our newest sponsors, Set Piece. Set Piece is a fashion line from the Houston area created to bridge the gap between sport, culture, and fashion. Check out their website, setpiece.club. That's set, S-E-T, piece, P-E-A-C-E, dot club. You may have already seen this shirt online, worn by some of your favorite Dash players, or maybe around Shell Energy Stadium. But check out setpiece.club and order your shirt today. And be on the lookout for all their new merch coming out in the coming weeks. Again, setpiece.club, thank you so much for believing in the Way We Ball podcast and helping get your brand out there. So looking forward to all the amazing things you have planned. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, uh, Brandon, now that we got that out of the way, um, let's move on to the next subject. So friend of the pod, I'd like to consider him a friend, Victor Ariza tweeted out today about Ache Ache. Um, do you want to, I'll let you continue that part, actually. I mean, he talked about if he was uninterested and that was an interesting word no pun, like ironically to choose to kind of describe his time here. Um, we heard even from Glenn that Ache Ache wasn't even sure if he was going to come back. I think uninterested was probably the wrong spirit he had attached to this. I think it was more frustration and fright of what the hell did I get myself into? Because there was no interest in building this club in, in terms of talent. Like it was just buy a shirt that somebody might sell or get somebody on the cheap so we can make a profit. And I think he saw that. And then when it drastically changed, he's always been bought in as a player. And it, I think now that he has the organization support, here we go. So for those that did not um, see the tweet, Tom Bogert had tweeted that Hector Adetta, um was bad and uninterested last year and how he just completely 180 changed um, his attitude and approach with the Dynamo this year. Victor Riza re- retweeted that and quoted, Uninterested is incorrect. Anyone watching the Houston Dynamo last year can see Ereda started to implement the seeds of what the team has become this year. If anything, Acha Acha is the one that challenged the club to reach its next level. Do you agree? Do you disagree? How do you feel? Yeah, 100%. I mean, everything as I was mentioned there is, is, is exactly what he has done and as also it's produced on the field. I mean, there's a reason why we're a game away from the conference finals. Like, it's it's a huge driving bus of him. The I think Ted is heard loud and clear. Money is being spent. You can't say that. I mean, are we getting the Lionel Messi's? No. But at the same time, we've surrounded ourselves with winning culture players. I think he's bought into that. The fact that he sees Bossy, Artur, and also Coco, as much as we're getting frustrated with him, but Svechenko, even Steve Clark in goal, there's no reason that he hasn't been put with some of the best leaders in this MLS league. And yeah, it's easy to buy in when you have teammates that have true passion and care and a coach that is also promoting that. Yeah, I uh, so I agree 100% with Victor um, 
on his sentiments about this. If you want to talk about uninterested, look at Rafa Marquez with the New York Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. If you want to talk about uninterested, look at Kubo Torres with us. Those guys were uninterested. Yeah. Herrera was already getting his ticket out of Houston because he was frustrated. He cared. Uninterested is a player who's just sitting here collecting checks, getting fat, not caring. And I feel like Dynamo fans should relate to Herrera because we were fed up. We were fed up with the Nagamura hire. We were fed up with what we were seeing on the field. We were fed up because we were fed this amazing story on how this new coach is going to change the culture and make us a winning team again and bring back that old dynamo that we all miss. We were promised all that and we weren't getting it. So to say that Edetta was uninterested, I don't buy that. Edetta cared. He cared so much that he was already going to get out of here because he was promised something and it just wasn't being fulfilled on the pitch, behind the scenes, whatever the case is. So I agree 100% with Victor. I don't think it's fair to say that he was uninterested. He was battling an injury. It was a World Cup year two on top of that. But I think Adetta was promised a project, and he was promised a project being built a specific way. And when he got here, it wasn't happening, and I I don't blame him. And I agree. I think Adetta probably had a lot to say, and whatever was said, we're starting to see that with today's Dynamo. I mean, yeah, spot on. Absolutely. I think I think now, especially since we have a trophy in the cabinet as well, under his tutelage and time here, I mean, since he's been wearing the band, we, we brought home the cup over Messi's team. Granted, Messi didn't play, but whatever. He still did it on a huge stage, and I'm here for that. Now we're getting closer to the bigger prize. He is definitely a heartbeat of this team. Anybody that watches a match or tunes in, you can tell like he is the guy, but uninterested is something that I've never thought from the start. I think he just saw, I think he panicked, but we've corrected that and we're moving forward with it. And I think this is going to better it. If we can have a guy like Hector, especially when he retires, keep coming around the dynamo or even slowly get invested into it, it will show the culture change. I think he could be that guy. Yeah. And I don't think Tom Bogert, meant anything bad by it i just think he probably watches so much mls he was just saying talking or he was just saying what he saw but there was just so much happening last year um i i felt as well uninterested was a bit unfair um to say about edetta i wonder if he used it in the context that he's like uninterested in what the front office is doing and being a part of that if that's the case okay i understand that but the way you phrased it made it seem like he was throwing a hissy fit and I think that's where people took the issue with it. Yeah, agreed. I have this weird, uh, I have this weird rule where I don't like buying kits with names on them. Um, <laughs> I prefer to buy a kit just blank on the back. But Same. I felt like Adetta was so important in creating this new look Dynamo that I had to get an Adetta kit. So I think that's the last kit that I've gotten in like the last 10, 15 years with an actual name on well, the back. Me, but I think, go ahead. For me, he's like roughly my age, so it kind of can make it feel like I'm supporting a friend. But when you're wearing yeah. like a like a Keone's where it's like he could be my son, like if I was just a little bit more active, then it's a bit more awkward in my eyes. So as I get aged up, I'm starting to just buy kits without the name. But if you're around my age or you're just insanely iconic, all right, I'm here for it. And he's insanely iconic, so that also works. Yeah, I mean, and I just, for me, more than anything, I really feel like he was the piece that really changed the culture of this team and brought us, I mean, 
I think we're, I honestly think we're just in the beginning phases of, of being back to being a dominant team in this league. And he, he is the biggest piece of that, if not the most important piece as well. So I think he's bringing back that culture of, we expect to be a threat every year that if we're not turning out seasons where we make playoffs, make good runs, we should be upset. And we've earned that right. We had 10 years of crap and amazing success. There's nothing worse than like being poor, getting rich, and then going back to being poor. You you can't accept that lifestyle again. You know, now that you know what caviar and champagne tastes like, it's tough to go back to, you know, just $2 steak. So I get wanting to jump back into this. And you're right. The culture's headed in the right way. Anything, I think, uninterested is as far away from where we are, and it's being proven. We had a $2 steak for 10 years straight, so it's nice to get a sip of that champagne. (laughs) The Way We Ball podcast is looking for partners. Be a part of Houston's fastest-growing, soccer-specific podcast and help us grow your business. Reach out to us on all social medias, underscore The Way We Ball, or shoot us an email at thewayweballpodcast at gmail.com. Again, all social medias underscore the way we ball, or email us at thewayweballpodcast. Now let's get back to this week's episode. All right, and we are back. Brandon, we are going to wrap today's episode with something that got a lot of uh, really positive feedback that we did last week. That was the ball in or ball out segment. I should clarify. I thought you were saying ballin, like, you know, I'm ballin, big ballin, um, but it's ball in. in. Well, so, it's a play on words, my man. <laughs> I mean, look, I was, I was like listening to the podcast again. I was like, oh crap, I guess. Cause I think I said like, I, I forgot. I said, I'm some, I'm, I'm ballin, I'm ballin out of control or something like that. And then I was like, wait a second. That didn't really make sense. Anyway, ball in or ball out. There you go. I mean, let's, uh, I wanted to originally call it like balling in or balling out of control, but I think ball in, ball out. Yeah, I can understand the confusion, but that was also my idea to play the play on words. Balling or falling. (laughs) Yeah, so ball in, ball out to explain to everybody. If you're ball in, you're for it. If you're ball out, you're against it. So that's how that mystery works. So let's play for first question here. We're going to do a little bit of some of this as a little bit silliness. One of mine, ball in or ball out. Keone's to actually start at striker. So I'm glad you brought that up. And we purposely did not mention Keone's uh, in the beginning of this podcast when we were talking about the recap. Keone's, Keone's, I have homework for you. And that is get a soccer ball and just dribble it with your left foot. That's all I want you to do. <laughs> just dribble it with your left foot. Go to HEB. Go to the bank. Whatever you do, just have a soccer ball connected to your left foot because Jesus Christ, <laughs> he's so predictable. Goes one way. With that with that being said, I am ball out of that idea. I love what he brings on the wing. I love that he just, he's a threat with his speed. Now, Mastroni did a great job of putting the lid on that. I just don't have confidence in him as a striker. I don't like, I don't like his shot, to be honest with you. And if you're going to get experimental like that, put Thor in there. Just put Thor in there. Uh, Putting Quinones in there, just too crazy for me right now. I don't think he's ready. Develop that left a little bit, then maybe we can talk. But for now, just dribble the ball with your left foot. Give it a try. So a couple of things. One, I agree him on the wing is nice in terms of his speed. 
and last game he showed more than anything. He's got a good cross on him too. That cross into the box was beautiful and on the money and led to the goal. So that's something that I think I can see him out there. But right now, yes, I'm with you. He can't move to striker right now. Barrett has earned to play striker. In the future, I'm more ball in. If you look at what Corey Baird did moving from winger to striker just in said season, he had a great year. Now, to play in Ben Ball, you also have to play defense. And Keones has been playing really good defense in this playoffs where he's come back on that wing and made incredible kind of just transition or taking away turnovers. And the one reason that I like a lot more of him playing at striker allows him to run freely on either side of the field. He's not just stuck down that one lane. Yes, big reason why he needs to stay in that one lane is he's one-footed, but I'm also a little bit against in the sense that he's, I, I like his shot. He does have a couple outside bangers. He's got a good curl to him. A lot of the times it is a bit more on target in terms of like it's just right at the keeper, but with a lot more touches and a lot more shots at goal, I think I'm here for him more kind of moving to striker and us using the DP slot in the future for somebody a lot bigger costly out there. And I, I'm, I'm here for it. I think that would be an interesting spot to put him so he can burn more people up there. That's the uh, politician answer. We need a ball in or ball out. Answer. I said I'm ball in for the future, but as of right now, I'm ball Not out. Not for the future, as of right now. Okay. As of it. right now? Yeah. Then you know what? Ball in and when we sub off Corey, put somebody else on the wing. Like, I'm I'm here for that. I will say, you know what impressed me with him this last game? He's gotten so much better, and I emphasize on the so much better with tight spaces. There was times where he was getting double teamed, and he just got the ball right out right to back to Hector. Um, he's gotten so much better with dribbling in those really tight spaces. And I just feel like we're seeing him grow each and every single week. And he's getting, he's just gotten better and better. That's I think that's exactly the key right there. He's just gotten better and better. The more MLS matches he played, the bigger threat he is looking. And I I'm here for, if I'm buying stock, like I'm buying in his price right now, because I think he's going to skyrocket in terms of being a really good talent. So I'm okay with moving him to striker and letting him just kind of spread his wings. So I know that sounds like a very kind of hot takey thing to do, but that's what ball in and ball out is for. I, I think it's just a fun experiment because we're not getting anything else in terms of off the bench. Why not try it in a different way? I mean, you're getting blonde cornrows. So. Yeah. <laughs> in the best way. All right, all right, we'll do another one then. So now moving on to the second round. So ball in, you're for, ball out, you're against. So LA versus uh, Seattle. Are you ball in for playing against LA or ball out for playing against LA and vice versa for Seattle? Um, Who would you rather I, play is the fancier way of putting this? Well, that's okay. Just to make it simple, I'm ball in for LA just because I would love to have a Vela versus Edetta uh, semifinal. The marketing behind it, the engagement behind it, the eyeballs behind it. It'll be our biggest game in the last five years, five, ten years. I would say even because of our markets, even bigger than the Miami. I mean, well, Messi didn't play, so that's not really fair. But uh, I think this would be the biggest game. Two huge Mexican stars in a semifinal for the MLS playoffs. Does it get much bigger than that? So... I agree with you. Ball in on playing LAFC because 
we played them earlier this year and won at their stadium. So they will host if we face them, they're the higher seed. And we've already got a W there. Historically, we suck at Seattle. So I do not want to go there. And that's just the place I think, especially on turf. I know I keep bringing that up and that's a hot thing to bring up, but that does affect a lot of things. And plus that outdoor stadium in Seattle weather, like, no, thank you. I'd rather see our guys in sunny California and LA. So I'm hit much more ball in for them to go there rather than possibly in the rain on turf and play at Seattle. So ball in on LAFC all day long. All right. What's the, uh, what's the next one? All right. So we got uh, one more here. Are you uh, bringing up our man here? Thor, are you ball in or ball out on the thorn rose? Ball in. I'm totally <laughs> in. I am. He is bringing early 2000s back. I was just waiting for the Rockaware t-shirt, the Band-Aid under the eye. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for it. The baggy shorts, the cornrows. Give him a throwback jersey. I I am here for it. I need more cornrow Thor in my life. I only wish he would have worn his jersey backwards, just like how Nelly did too, and then just would have really completed the look. Uh, what do you think the inspiration was? Like, was he watching the Beckham documentary and saw when he had cornrows and thought, like, that's me. I, I, I'm going to go out there and bend it like Bex. But I, I, in terms of the look, ball in, I agree. I'm a humongous Chicago Bulls fan, so watching Dennis Rodman back in the day change hairstyles all the time, and they were insanely crazy. That was so fun. So I am here for Thor kind of just laying into this character. I hope he embraces the villain role because he could play it so well and here for it. Thor and Rose, ball in, as ridiculous as they were. You know what's funny is that like so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the credit. Uh, again, I think he listened to our last episode and he heard <laughs> the N1 mixtape reference, and so I think he's all in on that. Um what is I'm having I, I my brain is mush right now. What was that uh, center's name? He was with Miami for the longest time. White dude, Birdman. Oh, Chris Anderson. He went to Blend. Was it Chris Anderson? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> Blend. Um, yeah, I just, again, you talk about NBA guys, crazy hairstyles. <laughs> I see Thor as like our Birdman. Like, you don't know what you're going to get with him. Uh, he just cracks me up, man. I can't explain to you and, and to top it all off the fact that he went to like the preppiest school in duke <laughs> duke yeah and he's wearing baggy shorts and cornrows like i'm all for it man he's just so and he's from iceland un- <laughs> like, and he's like... from iceland it's the weirdest <laughs> dynamic it's the weirdest story like if you put that all down on paper white kid from iceland wearing baggy shorts uh and, cornrows and drills the pk not only drills it, but he does that ridiculous stutter step that, like, if you miss it, I cannot stand you. <laughs> I love everything about Thor. I need more Thor. I hope he stays with the Dynamo. 100%. I want him. I want him to be like a Houston icon when it's all said and done. He needs I to replace like, Diesel as a mascot. Like he no needs kidding. to be just the Dynamo mascot. We need like we need him doing player events like all over Houston and like. <laughs> the white communities, the black communities, Thor is the answer to bring in race relations closer together. If they don't trademark Thorn Rose, then they're, they're really missing out. That'd be a fun giveaway. I guess you can't do that, but like it would still be a good time though. But I, I like the idea of Thorn Rose. All right, we'll move on to the next two here. Wait, is so it- before you move on, 
if you're Thor, what's the next hairstyle? How do you top that? I mean, I'm not going to put it past him. I don't know. I think he might shave it into um, like a sick mullet that I could see him like rocking. Like maybe he was inspired by Luna. Um, I, I, <laughs> I hope he just keeps the rose. I like the rose. I just hope he puts in different like waves and designs like Alan Iverson used to. I think uh, I think he pulls off another Beckham look from the documentary. Uh, I mean, realistically speaking, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. He probably saw the Beckham documentary. I think that's it. The Beckham, sorry. Um, so I think he either comes out with another look, one, or he dyes the cornrows and he comes out with the grill from TV, Johnny, and just <laughs> fully pulls out the H-Town look. So <laughs> I think those so are the... Uh, yeah, those Purple are the those, those are the two options. Yeah, exactly. I so, remember that. Sorry, what was the next one? All right, so this is actually sent in by a listener, and I like that. I hope more people start to do that. If you have good ball in, ball out kind of discussions that we can throw in there, DM us, hit us up uh, on our socials because it makes it more fun. So this actually came from Dago D A G O. He had two, so I'll, I'll hit you with one before we hit with the second one. The first one though, Ivan Franco, his loan. He's coming up here. He actually ends on uh, December thirty first or December thirty first, so New Year's Eve. Do you, you extend him? Do you buy him? What do you do with him? I feel like he was in town because of Sebas. I think Sebas played a crucial role, if the rumors are true, in bringing him here. I think they felt like uh, he was going to be an- he was going to be the answer to to assisting Sebas and getting him the ball where he needed it. And he was comfortable playing um, his style being that they're both Paraguayan, but Sebas is in here. He hasn't done much in the postseason. I feel like those funds could go elsewhere. That loan spot could go elsewhere. So I am ball out on the idea of Franco coming back to Houston. So as always did a little bit of digging on him. Uh, he's appeared with us 26 times in that 26 appearances, three goals, one assist. So the numbers are not very sexy. Um, he also, early in his career, kind of doing some dive on him. He already had two meniscus surgeries back in like 2020, around then, 2021. So pretty recently, his knees are still coming back. And I, in fact, I think I even had that earlier. I think it was 2022, to be honest with you. So to repair two meniscus surgeries there... I think that's another reason why his speed looks a little bit hindered. He just does kind of seem slow off the ball all year long. And I think that's why he's more of a max effort guy. That does concern me going a little bit further. Finding information on his loan was pretty hard. I actually had to dig a lot. So to find out things about it, he gets a base and a guarantee. So his base salary is 335000 His guarantee is 384000 Put that into perspective. Uh, Kionis makes 216k, Dorsey's 150k, and Svetchenko is like 410k. So we're giving a guy that's making close to Svetchenko money to just ride our bench deep. I mean, he's not seeing any minutes. So to extend that or to buy him, unless he is insanely free, I, I, I think it's it's ball out. That's too much money to eat on him to where you could spend that on a guy in that kind of Keone's category or even up to Svetchenko, like, yeah, that that's the better play. Get a better MLS player. And I'm okay when a player has numbers like that. If I know what to expect from you getting into the field, like I agree. Caicedo, for example, when Caicedo gets into the game, I know exactly why he's in the game and I know what to expect from him. When Franco comes in, 
I don't know what I'm expecting. Am I expecting someone to get in there to cause disruption on defense? Am I expecting him to be there to score a goal? Am I expecting him to be there to help facilitate the ball to the striker? I don't really know what he brings to the game. I know he has different strengths, but whenever he goes in, I I don't know what Ben is thinking. I don't know what he brings. And, And I'm not trying to fault Ben. I just think he doesn't do anything great. He doesn't have that one strength where it's like, okay, Franco's in now. Now we're going to buckle up on defense. I I'm okay with letting him go. Like you said, that money it's not it's not the heftiest price tag, but I feel like that could go elsewhere and get us either a solid backup or two two uh, youth projects, two under twenty twos. Um, so yeah, ball out. Not a, not even a question to me. It's a healthy contract in terms of MLS money. So. Because, I mean, you got to remember, we're, we're on a salary cap. We're not uncapped. So unless he's a DP, then you can pay him high amount. He's not a DP, but he makes almost DP money. So that's the big issue here, especially when you talk about spending this kind of coin. When Dorsey's 150, I guarantee he's going to want a contract at the end of the season. We're going to easily have to flip that. So what I mean is we're going to be paying him that $335,000 range, which leaves us 150 k to play on finding somebody. The only way we're going to find somebody in that range is if they're young or they struggled and they kind of need a different vibe. So that that's a huge amount of to swing there if we want to keep Dorsey. Yeah, and I feel like that's a no-brainer as far as keeping Dorsey. Pay the man. 100%. So, all right, our last one by Dago is another good one to talk about too. So Sebastian Ferreira, currently he's on loan in Brazil, and he's wondering – do we sell him or do we bring him back thinking that he's been humbled after his stint in Brazil and he's officially going to buy into Ben Ball? So buy in, buy out, bringing Sebas back. Is Dago Paraguayan? <laughs> <I'm getting laughs> the uh, shouts out if you are. I know they. Uh, I have a few a few friends that are Paraguayan and they keep me up to date with everything happening in that league down there. But uh, as far as Sebas... I renewed my Paramount Plus or yeah, my Paramount Plus subscription to see some of his games in Brazil. Uh because I was a Sebas guy. I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I just felt like he needed better help getting the ball to him. The team last year I didn't think did him any justice with the strengths. I wanted to believe in Pat in breaking our transfer record. Um I wanted to believe that he knew exactly what he was signing. So I've been watching him in Brazil. He doesn't get much playing time. Recently, he caused a kind of a brawl. He's not really thriving in Brazil. So at a certain point, I don't want to say you're the problem, but you might need a you might need a little help aside from aside from what's on the pitch. So I am ball out on the idea of Sebas coming back. I would rather us just take our loss, eat whatever it is to release him, and just give us that very highly coveted DP spot. So Sebas in Brazil this season, as you mentioned, he doesn't play much, and you're exactly right. He's only made 11 appearances for them. And his production, zero goals, zero assists. So when he's been in there, he hasn't done anything. And like you mentioned, he did have that brawl moment where he took them absolutely out. We bought him in and around the $3 million range. Uh, So again, breaking his contract down, he gets about uh, 1.76 million salary, and then he gets at least 2.13 
guaranteed. So he is a heavy, heavy price tag when you put it around Hector's, who's like 4.4. So we're, we're talking about a guy's money here that if we sell off Sebas and we don't bring back Franco, we can easily keep Dorsey and we can definitely add in some other pieces. Basically, we could keep this unit together, which I think is a very, very good call going forward. We just need to add pieces to this unit. So the big issue now with Sebas is we bought him for around $3 million, but he's made 11 appearances and sucked in those 11 appearances. How much are we actually going to get for this guy? Because we're not going to get our money back. So in reality, do we take a hit and sell him for pennies on the dollar? I mean, we're talking maybe we get a million. I mean, I think that's a generous thing to say at this point. We're not getting a million. So then do we just keep him? Because if you're not going to get a million, do you ride this contract out and either just hope he buys into this culture change and throw him out on the bench or maybe somebody in the middle of the season makes a trade for him. That was really sexy rumor throughout his stint before we loaned him out. If, if we're going to get pennies, we might as well just see if we can turn chicken salad and or chicken, you know, into chicken salad. So this might be uh this might be kind of chasing our own tail situation. If I did, if Edetta was in his late twenties, I'd be okay with that idea. He's not. That's the reality of it all. I would say bite the bullet, sell him, just get us that DP spot, unless you can figure a way to get to retain that DP spot. Um, but I mean, he's a DP, he's an international. I just feel like those resources could go elsewhere, especially when you have an aging Hector Adetta. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bummer because we put so much into him, but I just, I don't see it, man. I don't see it, especially with what everything that's going down in Brazil. I just don't think he's either mature enough or he's just not MLS quality uh, quality right now. And I don't think we have the time. We, we don't have the luxury of time to be patient for somebody like that. Yeah, in the end, I, I'm with you. It's ball out. He's still pretty young, though, which is kind of tough to, to accept. But he, he just doesn't seem to have – I think he's just such a head case that he's going to play himself out of it. To me, he screams like a cheap Mar- Mario Bar- Balotelli who was – Really, really good. So much talent, but in the end was his own worst enemy. I think that's just him on a lesser scale. And prediction, I think if we do sell him, it's not going to go higher than 800000 I agree. I think we take a huge chunk from it, but the TB slot is what we need. So if we only have eight hundred k and we get rid of Franco's deal, leaves us with like a million and change, which I think is nice because we can keep Dorsey, but then... The reality is, is Baird to sign him back? Does he get the full million? Because he's compensated. He's up for that compensation, which is the highest you can go under that gamer tan. The other thing that excites me, though, that, that we've mentioned in the past, we have this new analytics company. I have much more confidence in them finding that lower salary range player, that Thanks. backup player um, that would be more of a, of a help for this club. Um, because Sebas was Pat's first signing, not just big signing. He was like his first signing, if I'm not mis- mistaken. And I, I don't have confidence in Pat, but I, again, I think he's done a good job in building whatever we have right now. Um, but as, as we've talked about in the past, the later signings have been much better. And I think a lot of that's due to the analytics company. So whatever spare change we can get to throw at whatever player those analytic, that analytic firm uh, thinks will help, the current group, then I'm all for it. So 
again, if that's biting the bullet on Sebas, which I think we're going to have to do, I, I'm all for it. I would just love to be a fly in that room to hear Pat's pitch to, to Ted. <laughs> I know I promised you this guy was going to be the next. He's so different. <laughs> he goes by <laughs> Sebastian fully now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the one thing I will give – I, I'm trying to find ways to continue to see more positivity on this, and especially with Pat. Yeah, I think in terms of signing outside talent, you're right, very iffy, and the analytics has helped. But some credit needs to go the fact that he's retained talent. We've gotten Bartlow to sign back. We've gotten Artur to sign back. Like There is something to that. It, the analytics can't get you to be happy when you're here. So I think in terms of how he's kept him here, I think that's important to to put a notch in his resume for how funny would it be if Matt Jordan was actually this like scouting <laughs> genius and we just had no idea <laughs> I don't think that will ever happen that guy that guy just well, was basically just cashed out just on some yacht teenage and uh Coco were Matt guys weren't they uh yeah but I'm pretty sure he just like Google was like looking at his like packet of like coco and just was like uh watching teenage mutant ninja turtles it was like perfect google if those two names exist mom meatloaf yeah <laughs> i will say i had i had a conversation a few years back with somebody who said that matt jordan was given a bad rep because he was tasked with building a team with a very limited budget and he was told i don't care what players you get just make sure it falls under this very small budget um, this person told me that he wasn't a bad scout, but he just had absolutely no help when it came to bringing in players. So, I mean, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but like there's teams who do it, you know, look at the Tampa Bay Rays, the Baltimore Orioles. Like there's a ton of examples you can use in baseball to compensate the fact that like there's many teams, there's even a movie about it with Brad Pitt called Moneyball, where it's, Hey, we have no money. We need to squeeze the most talent that we can get out of it. Look at what the beginning of that Wrexham stuff that is that you love. Like they have a small budget at first and you squeeze the most talent you can get out of it. Like it, it's one of those that it's never not been done before. So I think the fact that he failed was the fact that he just sucked at picking talent. And then when he found it, he kept retaining it year over year. Like, why was Darwin Quintero constantly coming back when he was way past his prime and playing the abilities? So he was lazy. He just wanted money and it, and it showed. My thing, I've never been a Matt Jordan guy and I don't want to sound like an apologist. Um, I'm just trying to provide some scoop that I got. But I will say, when you trade an international spot, <laughs> like fired on the spot, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> Like unless you get like the world and it better be a lot. That's honestly the, I don't think a trade has ever had such lasting repercussions like that trade. Like we're still dealing with it today. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm with yeah. you. Thank God he's gone. I, I, I'm trying to see more reasons to accept Pat. I think the, hopefully the analytics keeps working and finding people and hopefully he can keep signing people. So Let's hopefully all that continues. So, man, Dago, what a great question, dude. Not only did you give us two good ones, but then you got us to lead into to some past and looking at the future yeah. there. Dago, if you ever have any more questions, please shoot us another DM, and that goes for everyone as well. Uh, any any ideas, any questions you have, we'd love to discuss them on the pod. Um, Brandon, I think that's how we're going to wrap things up. Um, be sure to check us out. We're on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform. Please subscribe. 
and give us a five-star review. That's how we're basically judged in the podcasting world um, based off our reviews. So leave us five stars. Let us know what you think. Um, and anything else you want to add, Brandon? Apparently go Wolves because a lot of fans from their side have been uh, following our account lately. I've noticed that. So you know what? I, You and I are Liverpool guys, but if they're going to keep giving us love, I'll come around, baby. Go Wolverhampton. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, so shouts out to Whole Lot of Wolves podcast. Um, Houston, oddly enough, is a home to a lot of like notable Wolverhampton fans. Uh, I went last year to London and um, I was able to catch Wolverhampton versus Leeds. And listen, I went in, I'll be completely honest with you. I went in to go see Leeds because they had Aaron and Kenny. <laughs> they had all the American players. Yeah. yeah. But man, like just being in the Molyneux and hearing those Wolverhampton fans, first off, they were the most hospitable people out there in, in the UK that I dealt with. Uh, but also just, I've never been, to an atmosphere that it was legit 90 minutes nonstop on your feet, just chant after chant after chant. And it was just, and that's like, I'm not trying to be a snob, but I've, I've seen America play. I've seen Liga MX games, MLS games. Like the Molyneux was just an eye opener to me. So shout out to Wolverhampton. And again, shout out to a whole lot of wolves. They're based out of Houston. Um, and we have some notable fans, like I said, in Houston, the uh, Wolverhampton fans. So, um, Shout out to all those guys. Appreciate the support. Um, and great job knocking out Tottenham. Liverpool needed it. So, <laughs> If they have like a supporters bar, we need to go and do like some live hits with them and, and have some fun with that. They do. Um, we'll, we'll probably shoot them a DM. And if you guys are listening, we'd love to get in contact with you all and uh, do something, do something there with your ball, with the, with your, with your bar. Uh, with your who? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm like, my internet's about to like go out on me. So we'll wrap it up there. Uh, again, thanks everyone. This is Jamal. And I'm Brandon. And this is the way we ball.